Do you ever just want to get away from it all? So you go travelling, find yourself, but the only problem is, you're still there. Do you live on a mattress on the floor, only a rat for company? Well, come down to IKEA, the wonderful everyday. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. them growing can you hear them taking over your garden choking the life out of your hard-grown roses your beautiful amabolia trees your deliciously sexy plum bush yes that's right it's humans! Humans in your gardens, ruining everything, stomping them with their delicious feet. So, as you can tell, on this week's Gardener's Question Time, we've got a very special guest. It's actually Brian Blessed's second son, Christopher Blessed. Hello! And uh, he's going to be doing a little bit of uh, audio description for us here in our live uh, audience in Welland Garden City. Now, what a better place to be for Gardener's Question Time. Now, one of the main topics of this week's programme is going to be walled gardens, somewhere that Welland Garden City isn't really famed for since they're a Victorian thing and this is a new-built city. <laughs> but anyway, we've got people from Sirencester. <laughs> Hello, uh, this is Christopher Blessed. Um, a lot of people expect me to be more like my father and, and they give me jobs b- before they know what I, what I actually sound like on radio. Um, so, so, so the audio descriptions will be um, will, will be um, will suffer accordingly. Okay, so uh, let's meet our other panelists. First of all, we've got Pamela Jenkins, uh, well known for her contributions to BBC Garden. Yes, that's right. We've got Derek Chambers from the Financial Times Gardening Supplement, only on Sundays by Annie Lee. Hello, yes, I'm here. And um, I think we've got Fenella Wainwright from the local garden centre. La 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 la! Oh, yes, always injecting a musical number. (laughs) So, to our first question, please. Um, You, sir. Well, well, I'm I'm not used to being on the radio. A lot of people, they expect me to to be like my father, Brian, who, of course, is a legendary (laughs) stentorian figure. Um, Paddy Power and so on. But but, but I have an almost unique combination. We're asking the the audience their questions now. Sorry about that, everyone at home. Um, So uh, let's ask Peter... I think it's Peter Jenkins, yes... Uh, and you've got a question about gardens, uh, wall, 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 uh, wall gardens. Yes, sorry, getting a little bit confused. Uh, yeah, uh, hello. Um, are you just wondering? Um, I've been trying to grow avocados right in my wall garden, but for some reason, um, 
the, the soil, I think it is, is making the leaves glow with a sort of purple colour. I wonder if I can have a bit of help with that. Ah, oh, I, I can take that one. Um, a not, not a common problem, not at all. You feel quite special, in fact. Um, now, tell me, mm, mm, did you mm, plant these... Um, mm, was it a shrub? A shrubbery? A shrub? Yeah, a shrub. Yeah, yes. yes, it was, yeah. Mm, did you plant it in mid-April? Uh, yeah, well, my wife did, yeah. Yes, well, mm, you see, uh, oh, it's very well known that you must beware the Ides of March, mm, yes, but beware also the Ides of April, terrible time mm, to to plant uh, a shrub, because, uh, you see, if you plant them in uh, a, a soil that is uh, clay-based, as as we are here in, um, uh, well, in Garden City, is yes, where are we? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, where yeah, am I? Right. Yes, yeah. mm, on the radio, good. If you plant them on the radio, uh, then you will find that uh, the leaves tend to go uh, a strange purple colour. <laughs> if you'd like to, to solve the problem, um, I suggest uh, you, you could, um, well... Get some fresh, freshly clean creamed milk, um, possibly from Jersey or wherever, wherever milk comes from. Cows from a cow. Um, you must bury a bowl of it um, next to the the plant as an offering, uh, and then just dig up the plant and, and replant it somewhere else. Well, I think that's uh, that question answered. Yes, Margaret. Um, Mar- Margaret Cornwallis, would you like to uh, give us your question, please? That's Margaret Cornwallis. Sorry, yes, Margaret Cornwallis. Yes. Oh, yes, question. Um, for the panellists, please, uh, help. Uh, I have a carrot. Um. <laughs> I have a carrot um, that I would like to plant uh, so that it grows into a carrot tree which grows more carrots? Yes? How do I do that? <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes, I'll, I'll take this question. Uh, we, um, I regularly get people uh, writing into the FT about this one. And, um, well, I always think it's better to start with a bag of carrots. Because from a bag of carrots you can plant at least two or three... And hope that from those two or three, uh, you might get some growth. Now, it's best to keep them in a, in a cool, dark cupboard beforehand. You don't want them to see too much sunlight, see. Um, but every so often, sprinkle them with some lukewarm water. And that's very important, it's lukewarm, because you don't want to surprise the flesh of the carrots. Now, are you following me so far? Um, yes, just one question. Um, yes. Quickly, uh, must the warm water be called Luke, or can it be called Mark also? Uh, I mean, you can have any of the canonised saints to bless it, um, but it's just very important that when you uh, test the temperature with your elbow, uh, you can't tell whether it's actually hot or cold. Now, um, once you've um, uh, sort of uh, basically uh, 
primed these carrots, uh, what I would suggest you do is go to your local arboretum and have a look at how the other trees are growing. Now, from those trees, you will be able to understand how they go perpendicular to the earth. Now, from that, I would go to your local garden centre, get some garden cane, tie said carrots to the garden cane, and then open a small trench. A slit trench would be uh, my preferred option. It helps with the drainage. And then I would dangle the carrot in, but you only ever want to get about half an inch of the carrot into the bottom so that it, it sort of uh, promotes root growth, you see. Now, you, what you might find is the sort of clay-based soil that we have here. You might find that the bottom of the carrot begins to get a little bit stodgy uh, towards the end of the autumn. So what is very important to do is get some peptic enzyme, put that in. That will just help the vitamin C encourage the worms coming, which in itself will encourage root growth. Oh, lovely. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> I wish to follow up on your question. Oh, oh, yes, and uh, Fenella. Uh, how important is root growth to the correct flourishing of a carrot tree? Oh, it's, um, <clears throat> it's very important, you see, uh, because you, you have to encourage root growth before the top of the carrot grows, you see, because one of the things that can happen with a carrot tree is it will topple over in the wind if it doesn't have secure root base. And uh, in the sort of strong, blustery conditions we're expecting most of these winters, now that the storms have been named, um, you know, they're far more violent than when before they were just, you know, on a, on a scale of force, whereas now they seem to be personified, and it's quite confusing, but they're very violent, see. Uh, and the, the carrot trees won't take kindly to that. Thank you for joining us in this question. Let's keep going for a long time. Our sunset rose, the latest in the fleet of auxiliary cruise ships. <laughs> Come aboard and experience one of our 49 restaurants. We've got one of every type of global cuisine, recognized in Zagat's food guide. When you come aboard, you can check in your gun with a local gunsmith. He'll check the sights, readjust the grips, and do everything else you need in your voyage. Why not, when you're at sea, come down, check it out, and Shoot some pots and the rats coming out the back of the ship. The chef will be pleased if you can catch them in the net. You might even find it on the menu in the morning. Other activities include heckling. Heckling is one of the most popular pursuits on our liners. If you find any of our guests are being particularly non-vocal or indeed vocal about a particular opinion, you're welcome to heckle them, either privately in the comfort of your own cabin or publicly in one of our many hecklers' galleries. Captain Stevens particularly welcomes hecklers. When he's trying to pull into port, 
or maybe conducting a U-turn and see if he's gotten lost, or even if he invites you to the captain's table when chef's doing his delightful tasting menus, why not heckle him? I'm sure he'll enjoy it. Can't think of your own heckles? Come along to one of our heckling workshops where Cousin Steve, first name Coven, second name Steve, will guide you through all your heckling needs. Why don't you give us a few of your choice words, Steve? Your beard looks like it's got dandruff in! Ooh. Lock up! Lock up! Another zinger from Steve. <laughs> Your life raft's leakier than my dog. And after you spend two weeks across <laughs> aboard the Sunset Rose, well, you'll be ripe and ready to move on to your next adventure. That's why they call us Dignitas on the Waves. Sunset Rose. End your life with no dignity. <laughs> we should state at the uh, end of this publicly funded commercial announcement, that the Sunset Rose has a unique feature. Should your life come to its natural, peaceful conclusion aboard the Sunset Rose, we offer a range of funereal options. Burial at Sea has proved to be one of our most popular, in which we will load your corpse into one of our torpedo tubes. Then you will be launched at full throttle, deep into the briny blue, where we presume you'll be nibbled on and eventually digested by the flotilla of odd sea creatures that follow in our wake picking up the occasional scrap that's known to fall from one of our great letters. And if being torpedoed down into the great blue isn't your way of saying how do you do to old life, we've got other options. Our onboard cannons will fire you in an upward trajectory for, well, I'd say at least 50 yards before you plummet down into old blue. Or, we have a new tantalizing option we like to call Walk the Plank. Johnny, why don't you tell us all about Walk the Plank? Well, here at Sunset Rose, what the carpenters will go to do is uh, stitching together some uh, MDF plywood. Uh, it's one of my favorite composite woods. And he pushes it right out and you can have, uh, there are various payment plans of a meter up to 10 meters. And you just walk out. If you want a safety line, we can put it up. And if you want your family and friends, we can erect an MDF uh, viewing gallery for them. And Billy here, well, he's been cooking up some, uh, well, some combo deals. Why don't you tell us about the combination of half the family walking the plank and the other half being shot into them out of a cannon? Well, if you want to go for our two-for-one package, what we offer is that, yeah, let's say you're a twin. And you're uh, reaching that age. And you want to go together because you've been there together from the beginning. So one of you might want to walk the plank. And one of you might want to uh, shoot the shit, as we say. So, supposing this is the crossroads you're at. Well, you've got your family gathered and you don't know which one's going to do what. Well, what we offer is a top and tail package. So, we'll cut you in half, stitch your top half onto the other one's bottom, and you can each experience the way of death that the other one has chosen. That way... Half of you will be there, and half of you won't be. But you will, at the same time, experience nothingness. And for a limited time only, we have a new special edition just for you, our loyal customers. This season, we're offering a once-in-a-lifetime chance to have your life compressed into a four-and-a-half-inch shell.
Now, what this means is, unlike being divvied up into our regular 9mm cannon, you can be put into one cylinder and fired off into the distance. Now, if you fancy an even more special occasion, why not line up your family on the viewing deck with shotguns and play Clay Pigeon Granddaddy? First to turn Granddad into a dust cloud wins! For those of you with a more humanitarian bent, we have a culinary option. Take your beloved relative down to our scullery. Our scullery mates will make quick work of them, whipping them into any number of delicious dishes. Chicken fricassee, creme brulee, the choices are almost limitless. In fact, your fellow passengers who once so enjoyed the conversation of your beloved relative will soon enjoy the nourishment provided to their bodies by their internal minerals. Have you ever fancied Grandma Tartar? Well, say ta ta to Grandma with Grandma Tartar. <laughs> Have you ever thought your aunt was ripe and ready? What about Aunt Tata? A delicious dessert the whole family can enjoy. Want to feed Grandpappy to those snappies? Well, in our Caribbean package, you can feed him to terrapins, one piece at a time. Do you have a pet that has outlasted a family relative? A beloved dog that looked after your grandpa or grandma in their declining years? Well, now you can turn that relative into a treat for your dear pet to gnaw on for the remainder of their lives. Introducing new Lastichu. We have a new formula that will combine the protein of your deceased relatives into an enduring protein. This protein will endure even the most severe of mastications. We've tested it for years with Bulldogs, Mastiffs, and Staffordshire Bull Terriers to design the perfect density of chew. And if you're wondering what we do with all those awkward to process pieces like the bones, well, introducing new Grandma's Gobstoppers. One for all the cousins. <laughs> Does cannibalizing your family become something of a trial for you? Well, you come aboard the Sunset Rose, and we'll feed Great Aunt Glenda into a blender. Here on the Sunset Rose, we got our very own veterans package. Hey, you remember that Sergeant Major? Well, sure I do! Yeah, screw him. If you want to go to boot camp, why not get yourself made into boots for your old grandson? He can go to boot camp looking clean. Spin polish your granddaddy's helmet? Well, sure, why not? <laughs> After I got my granddaddy turned into a pair of boots, I wasn't sure what the rest of my regiment would think about it. After all, most of their boots were made of a standard artificial material that was both waterproof and breathable. However, my grandfather's breath proved to be a much more hardy and yet durable machine. I could trudge through water, sleet, snow, sludge, and desert, indeed jungle-like conditions, and my granddaddy's skin flesh hardened into a kind of a crust, which made my boots nigh on impenetrable. There I was, with cold, wet, yet dry feet. Everybody... <laughs> <laughs> when you were growing up, did you ever own one of those little catapult things and shoot pebbles at the neighbor's cats? Well, how about when you go, you get put into a catapult yourself? Sounds pretty neat, huh, Stevie? 
Well, here on the Sunset Rose, we've got our very own catapult. Recycled from the USS Nimitz, that old favorite aircraft carrier of the 2000s, this catapult will launch you at approximately 700 miles per hour straight off into the distance. And if you're a fan of skimming, why not skim along the waves? Just ask the captain before you get on. We tried to reach out to the man who died in this pursuit. Uh, they were unavailable for comment. Micah, back to you. Um, good evening. Welcome to Gardener's Question Time, the follow-up. With me in the studio is an aubergine and a courgette. Now, here we are trying to settle an age-old question. Which nightshade truly is the deadliest? We're going to start with you, aubergine. Um, now, I understand you have some training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. And uh, where did you come by this training? In Brasilia. Mm, at the home. And, um, naturally, you would have competed against some of the most hardened uh, vegetables uh, in your time there. And uh, yeah, who, who yeah. was the most uh, savage combatant? Yeah, pounded on an absolutely savage squash. I see. Yeah. And uh, would you say that you, um, you crushed it? Uh, no. Would you say that you flattened it? Not quite. I would say... Um, would you say that you, um, that you reduced it to a mush? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you see, you see, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is much more of a, a tenderising uh, martial art, you see? Um, it's much more about preparing uh, vegetables for uh, brining than it is for uh, actually doing any cooking. Mm, you talk about your own relatives and friends, I must presume, uh, with uh, considerable disdain and a lack of emotional involvement. Uh, yep, yeah, killed a good few of them. Right, I see. Well, this is certainly raising you, uh, your stakes in the uh, deadliest vegetable contest. Uh, over to you, Courgette. Now, I understand that in some countries you're known as zucchini. Is this true? Um, yes. And uh, why do you go by this double name? Well, um, when I started out early in my career, I just thought it was useful to have a stage name, you see. And, um, I used to wear a mask, you see, and uh, I was quite fond of sorrow. And uh, I just wanted to start my name with a Z. Yeah, I see. Heard of you, great yeah. zucchini. Yeah, the great zucchini. Uh, I, I was also known for disappearing uh, because of my high water content. Uh, I was able to use osmosis quite a lot uh, to do quite an impressive trick. And what was that? Uh, well, I wouldn't be able to discuss it too much because uh, you know I, I don't want to get expelled from the magic circle. I see. Well, I, I am. I'm afraid I must remind you that uh, you signed a contract before the interview began, and if I just direct your attention uh, uh, off microphone here to this clause, which requires you, of course, to detail in um, uh, accurately the, uh, the trick um, for which you are known. <clears throat> okay. Um, no, all right, well, um, that's a whole career's worth of uh, knowledge going, but um, all right. Basically, what I'd do is... Um... We'll come back to it. Uh, now, Aubergine. <laughs> Aubergine. <laughs> I, I believe you also are known by some other names, um, one of which is a Melanzane. Um, would you care to uh, elaborate? Yeah, well, you see, these were um, not so much uh, names given me as names that I gave out as sort of decoys. Um, see, see, I'm wanted for um, 
crimes about against Greek cuisine. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was useful to have some people looking for eggplant, some people looking for uh, melanzana. Yes, I was going to raise eggplant because, of course, this is um, perhaps the most misleading of all your many monikers. Um, why is it located primarily in America, this name? Uh, yeah, um, well, you see, I, I spread it round America, that's why. I see. But, of course... You are neither an egg nor a plant. Uh, you are famously a nightshade. Sure, yeah. Um, thing is, uh, actually, um, I am an egg also. Slightly confusing, I know, but um, little known fact about aubergines is that as well as being descended, uh, well, I mean, we look quite vegetable-like. You know, we do grow in that, but we can also be birthed... Um, from uh, a bird. Of course. Um, now, I've heard it rumoured uh, that the uh, Atlantic albatross, the uh, bird with the largest migratory pattern in uh, all the avian kingdom, uh, has been known to transport aubergine from place to place. Now, does this have a relation to this um, egg-laying characteristic? No, that's total bollocks. I see. Uh, coming back to you, Courgette, um, or the great zucchini, yeah. um... What single attribute would you say really raises you in the uh, in the lethality stakes versus um, our dear uh, eggplant here? Well, it's got to be the fact that I'm ninety four percent water. Of course. Now uh, the aubergine is substantially has a substantially lower water content. Now, how does this give you the edge? Well, as I described before, um, osmosis is my greatest weapon. Now, one of the things I like to do is uh, to hide in a uh, salt water solution, and um, I basically make myself emaciate myself uh, so I can slip undetected uh, through any impermeable barriers. Well, that is quite an adaptation. Uh, Aubergine, do you have well, anything? Well, I mean, of course, uh, sorry to cut you off, but, you know, the main reason that it's so uh, potent is that once I've then entered somebody's body, I can reinflate myself. Aha! Uh-huh. And from there, I can position myself for any subsequent action that I do desire and feel it is necessary to take. That is pretty dastardly, that is. I mean, even I'm impressed and I'm pretty deadly. Well, thank you, mate. Well, would you be willing to concede in this uh, high stakes battle? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna work a spanner in this, um, as I think they say. Um, you see, uh, my my well, <laughs> wouldn't call them superpowers, but um, my uh, ability, you see, is is somewhat the opposite. You see, my mm. my flesh is able to absorb water. Well. Almost in a way that you are able to shed it, I am able to take it on uh, to an alarming degree that, uh, you know, you wouldn't think it from my size, but I can take on about seven times as much water as my body weight. You do, um, do realise what could happen if me and you teamed up together? Well, I didn't want to say it on radio uh, because, yeah, quite, quite bad things, I reckon. I reckon we could rule the world, mate. Yeah. We can make things wet, dry, and anywhere in between, I reckon. Probably slippery as well. Let's call ourselves the slippery (laughs) non-pairs. Got a certain ring to it, that does. Yeah. 
SMPs. <laughs> a certain ring indeed. Well, thank you for Courgette. Thank you to Courgette and Aubergine for being with us in the studio here today. Our next guests are two of the most recent storms that have blown in. We have here Storm Jason and Storm Jeremy. Good afternoon. We are <laughs> the <laughs> Now, Storm Jason, I understand you blew in over Ireland, picked up most of your speed in the Irish Sea, and then crashed over onto the Scottish coast. Uh, whereas, Storm Jeremy, you're more localised in the southwest, uh, blowing in over the Atlantic, lightly skipping over the southern Irish coastline before barrelling in over the Southlands. Um, I would hasten to add, before we begin, that listeners at home should beware in case there are any electronic disturbances or indeed any disruption to the general quotidian goings-on in their house. Storm Jason, um... Would you like to give us a small account of your upbringing? <laughs> yeah, well, you know... <laughs> I've forgotten my name. I'm not like Jason. Uh, uh, Scottish, right? Storm, Storm Jason. <clears throat> you, you are Storm Jason, of course, as you must know, right. uh, being your name. Oh, well, that's a, that's a thing, that man. Like, my, my parents were... They weren't always here. But, you know, when I was growing up around the top of Iceland and that, you know what? I had a pretty good relationship with my dad at the time, when he was there and that. But the thing is, is uh, you know, it was mostly, mostly me and my brother Brian, um, but he, he's a lot older than me, that's, that's why he was, I remember, what was he, 2004? Ah, yes, that was uh, Gail Bryan, who developed into a Category 3. Gail? Gail Bryan. Well, he was a Gail when he was born and he developed into a... No, 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 he was always a man, he was Brian. Don't you talk about my brother. Ah, see, look, right, anyway, anyway, I'm getting off track, I'm getting off track. Right, so, uh, I'll be up around Iceland, and I'd, I'd basically just be me and my pals muck around, and um, I'd basically, I'd be looking for a lot of low-pressure systems, uh, whilst I was quite a high-pressure system, and I'd come around, and if I saw any cumulonimbus, I'd just fly towards them, and I'd got this, like, proper dermented spirit in me. That was me, man. That was me. I see, so a diet of cumulonimbus... Uh, and the uh, egging on of your localised storm oh, friends. No, 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 yeah. All right, well, it sounds like a rough and tumble upbringing that led to you developing into the storm that we know and fear, and indeed uh, wreaked havoc. Now, uh, Storm Jeremy, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your parents? I understand that your father was actually a very well-known nuclear physicist. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Um, and, of course, your, your mother was a very well-known uh, trumpeteer. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's um, she's just like yeah. She was this uh lady who um, she had like uh, uh she had like five trumpets um, and so uh, whereas you normally have like a trumpeter, trumpeter. She yeah, she was a trumpeter because she had five trumpets uh, she used to blow all at once in all different directions with all different orifices can you imagine very impressive skill there are pictures you don't need to imagine if you go to ww oh no i've been told not to, no don't worry um and that's how i was born you see because if you have five different streams of of c major wind um Going, yeah, that's one of them. Uh-huh. One, one of them comes right out of the mouth, uh, right, right out of the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get me. You birth me. I see. Well, it's been wonderful, really, to have you both in the studio. Um, but what I was going to ask is that um, have you ever met each other before? No, man. I've never seen him in my life. Oh. This guy's about the windiest bastard I ever did meet, though. <laughs> I thought it ain't on. Well, we wanted to know if you would consider joining forces and uh, becoming a hurricane. No, I'm not. I'm not. Piff. 
Right. Um, <laughs> well, uh, that, that's really all we have time for. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much uh, for being with us, dear listeners. Uh, next week, tune in when we have an interview between a pair of trainers and a pair of golf shoes. Hey, moderated man. by a pair of boots. Hey, man, I don't know if it's ironic, but I find this guy a bit of a blowhard. the TA. <laughs> hello, I'm a doctor, and um, hello. I, I would just like to say that, um, hello, yes, hello, um, yes, well, yeah, well hello. I'm really, uh, hello, um, pleasure, the pleasure of mine. Good on there, mate, yeah, hello. Uh, sorry, who else is on the line? Um, hello. Yeah, I'm Bert. I'm Bert. Um, Bert, how did you get, why, you're on, you're on my call? Yeah, no, it's the, uh, telephone can consultation, isn't it? Um, but, uh, I must say, I took you in as my lodger out of good faith. I thought you were my doctor, mate. I am a doctor. And this right, is a... well, look, I got this lump on my knee. Why are you laughing? Well, it's but, bloody serious, man. But, I mean, listen, I, I, you're two floors below, and I will come and deal with the lump on your knee in due course. But, um, right, what, you what sort me? of time can I expect you coming around? Well, you are in my house, so um, I can promise you... Yeah, but like, what time? So I've got to go to the shops and stuff. I've got to suit it. I've got to, go to take the cleaners. Um, what? Your suit Today is dirty. Today, 4 dead. o'clock. Um, you, your suit is dirty, but... Yeah. Yeah, I vomited on it because of this bloody lump. <laughs> you, you promised me you'd keep that suit clean. Oh, I know. That's why I'm going to get bloody clean, mate. What bit, time are you going to come and look at me, lump? It's a bit late for that, but... No, the, I it, told you I'd lend you the suit on one condition and one condition only, that you would not dirty it. Yeah, well, you said you'd bloody help me with my bloody lump, mate. Um, okay, we're going to try a couple of other callers now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm um, It's brilliant, though. That kind of shit is brilliant. You put other people in the shit and see what happens. <laughs> um, hello. Is that, is that, uh, Dolph? <laughs> oh, he's not picked up yet. Hang on. Hello. <laughs> Hello? Alright, yeah, hello. Is that Dolph? Uh, uh, what? Uh, Dolph, the, uh, self con- con- the self-confessed druid from Arizona? Um, could you say that again, please? Is that Dolph, the, (laughs) the self-anointed druid of, uh, Arizona? Uh, yeah. Uh, Dolph, uh, I'm like uh, Ricardo from the TA, uh, hey, Tonsillitis Anonymous, and uh, we've been told that you like totally think you've got a meadow sweet cure for our tonsils. Could you like talk to us about it? Well, uh, I'm, um, I'm a good painter, didn't you? And, uh, I remedy. I believe that is the English word. And, um, yeah. yeah. What I recommend you do is I... uh, you have to scrape your chin backwards on uh, some concrete and then lick uh, it with your chin. So, Fair like, tongue. 
Can I, can I just like reiterate, like, scrape your chin backward on some dolomite? Is that it? What? No. Uh, That's a great call. No, Dolomite is also like a rock with was mostly found with. <laughs> no, 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 it's uh, like so a, no, I meant a conglomerate rock. A conglomerate? Oh, like, like yeah. Really. I'm so I, I could, sorry, I just didn't hear I, it. Did I, you hear you? Because all uh, my voices are fucking crazy. If you can't find conglomerate. Why I keep doing this? Right, if you cannot find the conglomerate rock, you can also use a concrete. Uh, a concord, like no, a big con- concrete. A concrete, the con- island of Crete. It's yeah. not exactly calm. I've been there, and it's it is no, wild and no, 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 you misunderstand. What? Uh, what? It's a concrete. Yeah, okay. A conquer, a concrete. Like a really solid argument. Yeah, the concrete. Like a concrete argument. It's like uh, concrete. Yeah. It's like. Wha- okay. So you like when you say scrape your chin backwards, yeah. like. Wha- is that the opposite direction to where I'm facing, or like uh, in reverse? Well, I would uh, offer that you think about it, Dialogues. Uh, so you are positioned south, southwest, Wait, and facing south southwest. Yes, you uh, you are facing southwest, oh, with right. the conglomerate rot running parallel to your limbs. At which point so you should east, put your east, northeast. Well. At which point you should put your knees uh, to the floor. My my knees. What your knees? All right. Uh, my nose. I learned my English in many different universities around oh, Europe you know on to my to Erasmus Poly- degree. Did you go to Oslo Polytechnic? <laughs> no, 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 no. What? So on the concrete, you are lowering your limbs onto the rack. And on the rack, you will be putting your forehead onto the rack. From there, you will put your chin onto the rack as well. At which point, you probably cannot have your forehead on it as well. You are now in the correct position. You will then drag your chin towards your left ankle. Um, All right. I'm okay. Position, so so I'm backwards. Here we go. Oh, uh, that's not comfortable. Oh, ouch. Oh. All right. Uh, <coughs> let me see. Testing. Hello. Um, let's move a little better. Yeah, um, so I forgot to mention that it is not a one-off remedy. You have to do it for 365 uh, years. <laughs> Um, okay. You forgot to mention that detail. Yeah. Well, kind of crucial. Ah, uh, well, 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 like d'accord. I know a lot of our listeners will be like, "Oh my god, that's a long time." But actually, <laughs> comparatively, like we've received like no cures for like our tonsils ever. So like that's a lot better than most people come up with. And like I for one, I'm super impressed. Wait. This is from many years of research. So, like, considering that, like, no one can ever live that long, how do you know it'll take 365 years? Like, have you had any test subjects that would live that long? Like, maybe some, like, unicorns or a centaur? No, no. When is the best uh, test? That's just because whales are, like, really, like, um, they just, like, bad at keeping records. Yeah. 
Well, it's so wet. Their maths is bad because they have a digit to count on. And oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. we we usually go by a, a giraffe. Well, they have one of the best counting systems in the mammalian world. Um, and they're very readily available. Yeah. Well, like, well, because they <laughs> use each other's spots to uh, denote the counting system. Uh, of course. The, well, that oh, makes yeah. sense, but but I, that makes life super sense, yeah. Yeah, but but, but oh, all right. Well, I'm gonna keep scraping my chin on this block of concrete. So I just, yeah, yeah. we'll we'll try your method, but you know if if in forty or fifty years say when I've been doing this constantly, we haven't we haven't seen appreciable results. Well, then oh, I I'm going to call you. Um. Well, uh, could you like well. professor? Could you like tell us if um the like the amelioration is like gradual or like. Do you suddenly get better after 365 years? Um, well, that is one of the interesting questions, uh, because I've yeah, never actually seen a patient recover from this. And oh. You haven't? No. Oh. Uh, the giraffes have told me. <laughs> this is what happens. Well, uh, well did well, they say, like, it happened gradually? Cause, like, no, the, the counting system was not, a, um, not capable of telling me that. All David were able to do was point 365 times and then denote years by doing somersaults and then uh, that's what is allowed me to do this research. Oh, uh, I heard that about that. giraffes. Yeah. yeah, the famous uh, Serengeti somersault. <laughs> would you? I would love to see that. Yeah, it's, it's oh, a very rare. If you come to Arizona, I will take you to see a giraffe and they will uh, perform for you. Well, I like totally forgot that you're based in Arizona. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I was a real mind fucker. Like... I have no idea what the fuck this <laughs> is. We didn't have tornadoes here until we started putting into traffic circles. Because on the counter, you want to know why? When people go round and round in circles, it causes disturbance in the atmosphere and causes tornadoes. Are you sick of big hairdresser? Well, so am I. They're just profiting from your hair. So here at WeBuyAnyHair.com, you just send us your hair and we'll give you the cash back. Don't let Big Barber take advantage of your hair. It sure does. And that's not the only thing it has. Amazing claws. It does. It also has the ability to go for days without drinking water. How does it do that? Shut up. Uh, by drinking loads when it does drink. Like a camel. Yeah, but without the hump. And like, does it have like a water bottle? Well, this is debatable because some people think they bury them. 
and then drink from them. But like, they haven't discovered plastic, so probably not. Yeah, maybe they've just like found bottles. Well, I always think that as well, because like, plastic doesn't biodegrade for like hundreds of years. Yeah, well, like, we share the same planet, so we make plastic bottles, and maybe they just find them and use them. And That's they're like, true. oh my god, what is this thing? And then, like, it only takes, like, several years for them to collectively to figure out the function. Yeah. Maybe they saw a human, like, using it for water, and they were like, yeah, they all right, right on. Yeah. The other thing they do is they keep snake carcasses, and then they just drink that blood. They drink blood? Like, a, yeah. a snake? Whoa. That's so cool. Are they, like, friend with mongooses? Yeah. They're, like, super friends with mongooses. Super friends. <laughs> <And> they're also <laughs> super friends with birds. Because the birds point them in the direction of some of their favorite grubs. Shut And then they help the birds get some of the grubs. And they're just like, guys, let's work together. Because I'm a honey badger, you're a bird, you can go on the tree, I can be on the ground, I'll just fight shit, you show me shit. We'll work together, we'll eat. Whatever's shut, happening. Shut your actual mouth, that does not happen. But I can't because I'm talking. And like, they're just, they're just so cooperative. Oh. Well, are you, so honey badgers are socialists? Yeah. You said they were cooperative, which means they're socialists, which means they're communist. No. So, so we need to I mean, exterminate all honey badgers. No, no, right they are now. not communist. Because they do not believe in collective work. What they believe is the greatest society for everyone. But they are at the behind, like the, the center of that. And they believe that that labor market should be sort of uh, exposed to everyone. And the capitalist endeavor is wrong. But are they for or against the commoditization of the worker? See, this is what's so interesting. They believe that everyone should have their fair share of the labor endeavor. So they don't, they're like, they're not anti-capitalist, but they don't believe in that metric. Right. So are they kind of like, oh my God, we should like totally centralize the wealth and redistribute it or not? So that's what's interesting because like they actually got rid of wealth years ago. So they don't actually feel like you need to redistribute it. Oh my God. Is because it wealth... like a trade economy now? Yeah. They, they, they barter. Well, no, they cooperate. That's what's so interesting. Oh, so it's like because, beyond communism, it's yeah. like back to socialism. Well, exactly. Kind of but what they did that was so interesting is they really just changed that discourse. So they added new words into this. So they redefined the narrative. It's like they're what? coming at it from like whole new different angles. Exactly. Exactly. Are you, they moved beyond Keynes. I said angles, whole different angles. That was great. Has to end on that. I'm never going to top that. Um, but I love the idea of it switching into quite intellectual discourse, like especially like honey badgers. Like, like they're actually the first socialist because it was when Jesus was was blundering across the desert that he taught a honey badger society, and he learned that you have to love your neighbor because even if all honey badgers viciously attack any other honey badger on the site. That is equality in rough terms. That's so true. And, that is and that's what Pontius Pilate took such umbrage against. It's true. Is he, he saw umbrage. the lessons and he umbrage. said, uh, feathers and fur should not confer. He did. Feather and fur? <clears throat> like birds and bear, bears? And bears. Because he saw yeah. the, the collaboration between the honey badgers and the local crows. And he was scared that the slaves and the Romans and Gentiles and all those people, they were going to like talk to each other yeah. and then usurp his power. 
They're like, yeah, so genteel, man. Those Romans so were so preoccupied with people usurping their power. Yeah, and they were so bothered about fucking sandals. Yeah, and they always, I mean, what do you think happened when they came to Northern Europe? Their outfits would have been so impractical. No wonder they lost against the Teutonic tribes. Yeah, and couldn't even get north of their fucking little walls. <laughs> no. Luther. I mean, to be fair, it's hard to get to Scotland anyway. This has been incredibly... Well, I'd say Radio 4, but, like, just incredibly niche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for early imbibing us today. You've been listening to Mildred's Milk Eaton. Please, come again. Oh.